This is a Brain Bites episode. Each week, we share two things we learned the past week and how you can implement them in your life. So, let's get into it. And welcome to episode eight of the Brain Bites series. Uh, today, we've got some interesting things to talk about. But as always, with my friend, Kieran, how are you today? I'm all right, mate. We are, we're back in lockdown uh, for four weeks here in Singapore. Uh, because uh, you know, people went to KTV, underground KTV karaoke bars, and uh, well, I'll leave it at that, and uh, things have spread uh, literally and figuratively as a result of that. You'll, you'll leave it at that, will you? <laughs> I'm definitely going to leave it at that. You can look at the Straits Times, everyone, if you'd like to understand further details. <laughs> How are you, my friend? I'm pretty good. We're, uh, we're kind of in the middle of our lockdown now, which got extended, but managing so far, uh, managing and learning, actually. Well, I hope you're learning. You've got to learn, and it always comes down to this, mate, our Brain Bite series where we're doing the reading for people. What did you learn this week? So this week I learned this concept of resting after learning to remember more. Resting after learning. It sounds really, really weird, but was listening to, uh, I think it was alive with Andrew Huberman, uh, the Andrew Huberman, of course. The man, the myth, the legend. The man, the myth, the legend, and he was putting forward some research And basically the idea is that if you learn for a certain period of time, a learning about an hour, maybe an hour and a half, whatever it is, and then you rest directly afterwards for 20 minutes in a period what's called non-sleep deep rest. So you sit there, do some meditation or you chill out, don't look at your phone. What actually happens is your brain replays all the content that happened just beforehand and you actually consolidate that memory and that learning much, much better. And there's been some amazing studies that he referenced on this one uh, in the Cell Journal in 2020, um, looking at this non-sleep deep rest protocol after learning, which was I thought it was crazy. That's very very interesting because I'm wondering, like, did they did he speak about it all the difference between like say physical learning and cognitive learning, or is it just literally the same? This whole idea that sticks if you do the non-deep rest after. So this was the study was principally looking at modal learning, so physical learning Ooh. in particular, and the patterns, but. It applies equally to cognitive learning in his opinion um, and, and the way it's used there because it's still the same repetition uh, of concepts in, in the brain during that rest period. The important thing, though, is a lot of people consider you know, looking at your phone as rest or mm. sitting down and browsing on YouTube. What? You're telling me it's not resting? <laughs> but the problem with that is you're still feeding new inputs into the brain and new information, which will counteract the, the benefit you'd get from this period of non-sleep deep rest where your brain's replaying the information from beforehand. Mm. So how do you reckon you're going to use it in your life? So a really, really simple way to implement this and how I'm going to use it is quite simply if I'm learning for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, I usually do a bit of learning and practice in the morning. Then after that, I just take a 10-minute 20 minute coffee break and I sit there with my coffee and I just chill out. And by doing that, I'm implementing this non-sleep deep rest, no phone, nothing like that. But for, for listeners out there, whatever learning you're doing, whether that's in a professional setting for your work or if you're studying, if you just implement at the end of every hour or every hour and a half max, a 20 minute break where you just sit there and, and let yourself kind of zone out and either do some breathing or some meditation or something similar, you're going to get the benefits of this non-sleep deep rest period and this consolidation of learning. It makes sense as well. Like if you just think about think through it reasonably logically, which we like to think we are here, Sam, um, like you, it's like overworking. 
right? Like yeah. overworking, overtraining, you, it's across multiple disciplines and you do need that break. You do need that rest um, in order to, you know, consolidate and actually, um, I suppose, build build that into habit, build that learning, build the, the neuronal components. Yeah, exactly. And it's just a capacity thing with the brain as well, right? We, we really only have anywhere from kind of three to seven working memory slots uh, in the front of our brain, our prefrontal cortex slash hippocampus. And over time, if you're trying to study for two, three hours without any form of break, any form of rest, like at some point there's going to be information drop off because your brain physically can't handle that volume of information. So you're going to have retention issues. Whereas Overload. Overload, exactly right. Cognitive overload. But inserting a break in that period where you give your brain just total a total break from any new inputs is a, probably a great way to, to utilize this, this protocol. Makes a lot of sense. So basically the idea here is once you do a period of learning, whether it is to do with uh, physical or motor work um, or even cognitive work, make sure you have that sort of 5, 10, 15, 20 minute break in between because it's obviously very, very important for the consolidation of learning and so you don't overtrain. Exactly right. And also make sure that period is no phones, no YouTube, no new information. Because I know lots of people like to sit and scroll. Hey, I'm taking a break. Taking a break on my phone, (laughs) on the toilet. And that's why you have a pinched nerve in your butt cheek, okay? (laughs) Brutal. Open guy. So that was my learning for this week. But uh, flipping a little bit, what did you learn or discover this week? Yeah, so you stumbled across uh, a TED Talk uh, by a guy called Mark Rober. Um, have you heard of him before? YouTuber, right? Yeah, big YouTuber. Like yeah. big YouTuber that's into sort of like experiments, coding, gaming, and so on. And the, the TED Talk was really, really interesting. Um, I won't reveal the title yet because it'll give it away. But he basically uh, did a bit of a social experiment in reality um, where he took, I think, he had 3 million YouTube subscribers at the time, got 50,000 people to do this. And he designed a game where basically you had to insert some sort of code, run the code, and then when you pressed run, a car would sort of go aligned with the code to reach a point B. And so it basically was a bit of a game. Now, what was really interesting about this is not a lot of people got it the first go, right? Because these are people that were non-coders. They were just trying to understand how to do it. But what was different for two groups of people is you had one group, every single time they failed, they had something pop up on the screen that said, that did not work, please try again. And that was 50% of the people. The second lot though, had a different pop-up message, which was, that didn't work. You just lost five points. You now have 195 points. Please try again. And they were trying to understand what this form of feedback would have on learning, success, and repetition. And the conclusion was actually really counterintuitive. I predicted wrong, which is the success rate was the people who got that did not work, please try again, was 68% versus the second lot was 52%, where they actually showed the point system. And it was weird because that sort of violates a lot of the behavioral economics we've talked about, you know, the principle of loss aversion. Um, But I found that a really interesting thing, which came to be the Super Mario effect, which is the idea to focus on the princess, Ali in Super Mario, not the pits, because then you'll stick to the task for longer to learn more. And it was that key thing there that they found those people that were in group one, that did not work, please try again. They had 2.5 times more attempts per unit time, 2.5 more which means they were trying more, they were doing it more, meaning they were more successful in the long run. Wow, to run five more attempts. So they were really, really amping up how many times they were trying. You're right, it is interesting in context of that behavioral economics literature, you know, loss, prospect theory from Amos Tversky. I wonder how much the idea of the incentives comes into that though, right? Because if you've got someone kind of, 
pushing you on with positive feedback, maybe that's more of the motivation loop required for, for the dopamine system to say, let's keep trying again versus that loss aversion. Yeah, 100%. And so like the whole idea of video game theory, right? Yeah. And that's at the end of the day, like when you do play, I'm just going back when I had the Game Boy uh, Color, Game Boy Advance, like you wouldn't really, like you <laughs> get cool. frustrated, don't get me wrong, from falling through the pit, right? But you yeah. still persist. You'd still want to get there. And it was really that whole concept of gamification and particularly when it came to learning. And so I think from an application perspective, like, hey, how do you use this in your life or how am I thinking about it? I'm thinking about it from a life gamification perspective, which is like how you frame the learning is often going to dictate how much fun you have with it and how long you mm. stick to it and how long you persist, the whole idea of grit. So an example of this is as opposed to saying it's a test, it's a game. Um, the idea of focusing on a cool end goal when you're actually doing a learning project, align those incentives, as you said. But also the one that sort of sticks out to me, mate, is track the number of reps you do. Like you can get really, really easy to fall into a trap of not tracking how much stuff you're actually doing, whether it is actually going to the gym, whether it is actually going and, um, I don't know, doing some sort of cognitive tasks. And I think that really resonates with me, which is like everyone sucks initially. Like Messi wasn't great at football when he was first born. He had some talent, but he put some reps in. Same as Kevin Durant, same as Serena Williams, same as any Magnus Carlsen, even though he's a bit of a jet. Um, that's the whole idea is focus purely and simply on reps first. Then you can get to the quality of the reps after that. That will get you there to the learning outcome. Mm. Frame it as a game. So you incentivize yourself to complete more reps, a la the robot, Mark Rober experiment, by incentivizing you to focus on that kind of end goal. Great, great examples there. Good old Magnus Carlson and, and KD. But it kind of reminds me a lot of uh, what Huberman was talking about uh, on another podcast he was on about learning, where mm. it's it's learning outcomes can almost be directly correlated with reps per unit time. 100%. That's exactly what it is. And I think that reps per unit time, like I think it's not like a, it's not mind blowing, but it kind of also is because like then we get, yeah. we get sort of misaligned with like the 10,000 hour, right? From yeah, exactly. peak, we look at the hours, but we don't realize, okay, in the hours, how many reps did they do in the 10,000 hours? Yeah. How many were they quality reps? How many of them was actually looking at the feedback from those reps and so on? Yep. Also to, to flip that challenge from like a professional perspective, I know so many people who take on professional development work to get better, but how many reps do they actually do of the practice? It's lots of reading of theory, lots of time in an LMS or going to training sessions, but how many times you're actually practicing that skill over and over again? Nike got it right, mate. Just do it. Just, Just do, do it. it. Just do it and record yourself. <laughs> And then get some feedback because that's the other part you talked about. Like, you, if you do a million reps, but you do a million reps wrong, you aren't going to improve. There has to be some sort of feedback loop or mechanism in there to make those improvements. Makes a lot of sense, mate. Those are our two for the two for the week. I uh, I think they, mate. We just align this so nicely with learning. How I good? Know. I know it's almost like we should be doing an episode on learning sometime soon. I don't, I don't know. What do you think? Is that a little bit of a teaser at Egg Hunt? Absolutely love it. And that brings us to a close for yep. Brain Bites episode eight for the week. If you are loving the potty, loving the show, please like, subscribe on all the various platforms, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Plus, whatever you like, go for it. Sam, is there anything else that people can do? And so if the podcast is floating your boat, but you want us to talk about something specifically, hit us up, kieran at braintools.com.au or sam at braintools.com.au. Choose the voice you like better. Send us your oh, questions and we'll try to answer each them. Other. No, no. <laughs> that was evil. That was evil. But yeah, please just send us some questions. We, we, we love to get your feedback and implement that um, and make the show better for you. Sounds like a plan. Well, we'll see you next week. See you next time. 
All right.